Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews with your host, Aaron Martell. Hello there, I'm Aaron Martell, and welcome to Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews, a podcast where I talk about and review a rock album of my choice. Today I'm flying solo, no co-pilots, but if you're listening and you're interested in coming on the show to review an album with me, I'm always on the lookout for co-pilots to host the podcast with me. There are a few ways to get in touch with me, which I'll go over at the end of the show. So on this week's episode, I'm going to discuss Genesis, 1976 album, A Trick of the Tale. There seems to be a divide among the Genesis fan base as to what the better era of the band is. On the one hand, you have the band's older fans who prefer the progressive rock era of Genesis, which was led by singer Peter Gabriel. On the other, you have the band's newer fans who like the more pop rock music style of Genesis with Phil Collins on lead vocals. For myself, I definitely got on board the Genesis train with the latter era, as I discovered the group in 1983 with a self-titled album and its radio-friendly hits. More specifically, it was the song That's All and the video that went along with it that drew me in. I bought that album and loved it, and that led me to pay attention to the other Genesis songs that got radio airplay, like Misunderstanding and Follow You, Follow Me. It was years later when I found out about the Gabriel prog rock era, and it took me a very long while to get into that music, which was so different from the Genesis that I knew and loved. But at some point, it did finally connect with me, and now I can say that I am a well-rounded, all-era-loving Genesis fan, except for that last record with Ray Wilson, which I'm going to completely ignore. But as I was going through the band's catalog, I noticed that there was another, less-talked-about mini-era in Genesis history. The two albums immediately after Peter Gabriel left, in which the core band went from a five-piece to a four-piece, and ace guitarist Steve Hackett remained in the lineup. Though technically it's when Phil Collins took over on lead vocals, those two albums, A Trick of the Tale and Wind and Wuthering, are the bridge between the prog rock genesis and the pop rock genesis, displaying elements of both musical styles. And it's A Trick of the Tale I want to focus on this time, the first of those albums and a huge risky moment in Genesis history. I came to this album really late, as I only got into Genesis' older records in the 2010s. But better late than never, know what I'm saying? And there you have it. Now I'll brief you with some basic facts about this album, brought to you by Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Eat. Pray. Wiki. A Trick of the Tale is a seventh studio album by English progressive rock band Genesis on the Charisma label in the UK and the Atco label in the US. It was produced by David Henschel and Genesis and was recorded from October to November 1975 at Trident Studios in London, England. It reached number three in the UK and number 31 in the US and is certified gold by both the BPI and the RIAA. Next, here's the band's lineup card. We have Mike Rutherford on 12-string guitar, bass, and bass pedals. Tony Banks on pianos, synthesizers, organ, mellotron, 12-string guitar, and backing vocals. Phil Collins on drums, percussion, lead and backing vocals. And Steve Hackett on electric guitar and 12-string guitars. Now it's time for a track-by-track analysis of this album. The lead-off track is Dance on a Volcano, written by the entire band. Faster than that. 
I totally dig the main riff of this track, which is in 7-8 time and is driven tightly by the keyboards, bass, and guitar. Phil Collins steps up to the mic and delivers the lyrics. He had sung lead on a couple of tracks during the Peter Gabriel era, so he wasn't completely foreign to the task. Apparently Genesis had listened to something like 400 audition tapes for a new lead vocalist and entered the studio without deciding on someone before settling on Phil. Turns out the band had their guy all along, and Phil does an admirable job here. His voice has a similar timbre and range to Peter's, so the vocal transition isn't that jarring. And toward the end of Peter's run, the sound of the band was moving in a keyboard-heavy, less guitar-focused feel, which sucked for Steve Hackett. So the sound of this song isn't unusual either. I love the lyrics, which on the surface describe exactly what the title suggests. Preparing to dance on a volcano, with all the dangers that presents with smoke and molten lava obstacles. I also feel that the deeper meaning is about risk-taking, understanding what the stakes are and going for it, no turning back. It could be seen as the story of Genesis, moving forward without their charismatic and popular frontman in Peter, and carrying on with their drummer in the hot seat as frontman, a risky proposition for sure. I like the better start doing it right hook, and Phil sounds like he's ready to take over the gig. Toward the end of the song, the tempo picks up, and the instrumental prowess of all the players are on full display. The playing is stellar, and the tempo and time signature shifts signal that Genesis haven't forgotten that they're known as a progressive rock outfit. This track is plenty proggy, and yet very tuneful, and it's a great way to kick off the Phil Collins era. The next track is Entangled, written by Steve Hackett and Tony Banks. This track was mostly written by Steve and is full of multi-layered pretty guitars combined with Tony's atmospheric keyboards giving it a haunting dreamlike quality. Phil softly sings about a person who may be suffering from mental illness and is hospitalized with other people, doctors or psychiatrists, proclaiming they want to help while the patient is mentally floating and entangled in his or her dreams. The chorus is soaring and has a gorgeous melody, one of my very favorites Genesis ever produced. After the second chorus, there's a lengthy instrumental passage featuring Tony's keys, including the Mellotron, that twists and winds its way over the delicate guitars and takes the song to its conclusion. This song is beautiful and ethereal, and I love the unholy frig out of it. Moving on, we get Squonk, written by Mike Rutherford and Tony Banks. Not 
This one references an old legend of a mythical creature called a squonk that was reputed to live in the hemlock forests of northern Pennsylvania. The squonk was so ugly it hid away from sight and spent its time weeping. The huntsman is able to coax the creature out and captures it in his sack, but as a defense mechanism, the squonk dissolves into a puddle of tears and bubbles. Phil sings the story with dynamic range and puts it across well, but for me it's the sound of the music that draws me into this one. Mike's bass is up front in the mix, and with Phil's drums, sets a steady mid-tempo pulsing rhythm that pushes the track ahead and anchors the sound. Steve's guitar and Tony's keyboards add color and weave through the rhythm, enhancing the vocal melodies and underlining the dynamics of the story as the music changes in each section. At the end of the track, it becomes more free-form in the musical structure, and the keyboards take center stage to fade it out. This song has a nearly epic feel and is another huge favorite of mine, and this album starts off really fucking strong. And then we come to Mad Man Moon, written by Tony Banks. Tony is all over this bitch. It's a showcase for his dense piano and synthesizer runs. It's a slow ballad with Phil singing somewhat mournfully about what I have no fucking clue. What I pull from these lyrics is not being satisfied with what you have, feeling like you're trapped in a desert and desiring to go where you haven't been before. Then when you get there, you find the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's too rainy and muddy and you want to go back to the desert. At some point, you need to find that balance. I read that there are some references to Peter Gabriel in here, but fucked if I know what they are. The keyboard playing is excellent, and Phil gives it a really good go vocally, but poor Steve Hackett is shoved off to the side, barely detectable on this track. Steve is a tremendous guitarist, and I suspect that being relegated to below sideman status at times must have had a hand in his decision to leave Genesis two albums down the line. And because it's so obtuse for me, overall this is my least favorite track on the record, making Madman Moon Aaron Stinky Stinker. So let's flip the imaginary record over and drop the imaginary needle on Robbery, Assault, and Battery, written by Tony Banks and Phil Collins. Genesis always had a sense of humor. Phil sings this with a heavy accent, something he would do for most of his career in Genesis, and even during his solo career, usually on one track per album on average. The lyrics are more or less a variation of cops and robbers' tales set to music. In the first two verses, the robber is caught and killed, and in the last verse, he gets away. The chorus is nice and catchy. Musically, the track has multiple sections and time signatures, and let me tell you something about Mr. Phil Collins. He has taken a lot of shit over the years, some of it deserved, for his schlocky 80s persona and songwriting, 
but something I've never heard anybody question was his ability as a drummer. He was one of the great prog rock drummers of all time. He could play just about anything, could handle tricky time signatures of the early Genesis material, played with taste, and almost never overplayed. This track features some of what I'm talking about. Phil kicks ass on this one. Tony's keys also carry the musical heft, while Mike holds down the low end and Steve is in there somewhere, I'm told. There's a lighter, airy feel to this song, and that brings out the humor and Phil's goofy vocals make me chuckle. Another winner, as far as I'm concerned. Continuing on through the album, we get Ripples, written by Mike Rutherford and Tony Banks. Musically, this song is a combination of a 12-string guitar piece written by Mike and a piano-heavy middle section written by Tony. Another ballad, the lyrics to me take a look at aging and how that causes a decline in one's looks and the process can't be stopped. The main character, apparently a woman, looks into a pool of water and sees her younger self. Then the ripples across the water appear and that image is gone. Her youth never comes back. Phil sings his heart out on the chorus and it's a beautiful melody. Tony takes charge of the middle section. His piano playing makes me think of rippling water and is very effective at putting the melancholy mood across. There's what sounds to me like some backwards guitar that adds to the haunting atmosphere in the instrumental section, and then the song builds to a big finish with the final choruses, Phil bringing it home with an impassioned vocal. I fucking love this track, and it's the second time Genesis have won me over with a big ballad on this record. The penultimate song is the title track, A Trick of the Tale, written by Tony Banks. This is a story song inspired by the book The Inheritors by William Golding. A creature leaves his kingdom, is captured by humans, and is put on display as the beast, a freak. The beast makes a deal to be released if he will show the humans how to get to his city of gold. The humans let him go and follow the beast until they think they see a spire of gold in the distance, but they realize it's a trick and the beast has disappeared. The music is bouncy and has a whimsical vibe, almost like a children's tune. Tony Banks stated the rhythm of the track was inspired by the Beatles song Getting Better, and it is very similar. The chorus, with its layered backing vocals, is yet another memorable one. There are all kinds of keyboard blips and sound effects in the track that provide color and atmosphere, as if you're hearing a fairy tale set to music, and even Mike's bass has a breezy, jaunty tone. This was the first single from the record, which failed to chart, and the band's first music video, which has the band members playing while standing around Tony's piano and is dopey as fuck. And that brings us to the final track, Los Endos, written by the entire band.
an instrumental tune, the genesis of this song <laughs> is that Phil brought in the loose rhythmic structure while Tony and Steve came up with the musical themes, including bringing back both the dance on a volcano and squonk themes into the mix. This does feel like the band got together and played out on a jam and came up with shit as they went along. Each musician gets a chance to shine on here. It constantly shifts with varied sections and is never boring, and this track actually became a live staple. The band played it right through to their 2007 tour. It puts the right capper on the record, and I dig the shit out of it. Now that the track by track is done, I'll go into my final thoughts and album rating. For you new listeners, the rating is a 0 to 5 system, with 5 being a favorite album of mine, all the way down to a 0, which sucks ass. I fucking love Genesis. I love the Peter Gabriel-led five-piece prog rock band and the three-piece Phil Collins-led pop rock band, but I also love the four-piece prog pop band, which technically begins the Phil Collins era, but is really a transitional time for Genesis. They had to adjust to having a new lead singer and frontman, which was daunting since their original singer was Peter fucking Gabriel, and even though Phil couldn't possibly match Peter's theatrics... On stage, he developed a humorous persona that ended up going over well with the audiences, and they accepted Phil, at least for a while until it all backfired on him in a big way in the late 80s with his solo career. But Phil did have his own style, and as a result, Genesis' sound began to morph into something different than what they started out with. There are a ton of prog elements on this record, shifting time signatures and structures, along with phenomenal instrumental playing. They're all over this thing. Though I wish that they would have let Steve Hackett have more of a presence on the record, I need more guitar. But there are little hints of what Genesis would become with the catchy melodies and choruses. I feel like they got a good blend of everything on this album, and I give A Trick of the Tale a four and a half. This is one of my very favorite Genesis albums, in my top five at least, and the four-piece band proves they can carry on without Mr. Gabriel and come up with some quality tunes. Four and a half. I'd now like to give a shout-out to a podcast I enjoy listening to. It's called Tabletop Genesis, and it's a show dedicated to all eras of Genesis, including the solo careers of the band members. It features roundtable discussions of the band, and the music and the hosts are Simon, Stacy, Michael, Ellie, and Tom. Their love for Genesis infuses all the conversations, and they bring a wealth of knowledge and passion to the show. So if you're a fan of Genesis, or you want to do a deeper dive into the band than you'll get here... I strongly recommend listening to this podcast. So that's Tabletop Genesis. Dig it. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast at places like iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and Spotify. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it. If you take the time to do that, I'll read your review right here on the show. If you'd like to contact me directly, I can be reached at RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there's a link to hear each podcast. You can also review the show on Facebook if you'd prefer to do it that way, and yes, I'll read your Facebook review on the podcast. You want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with me? Shoot me an email and we'll set it up. I'm always looking for co-pilots to host a show with me, and I would also welcome any requests or suggestions for albums to cover. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. I'd love to hear from you. And lastly, here at R4, we thank you so much for giving this podcast a listen, and a massive thank you if you like and support the show. Take care, and I'll catch you later.
fucking love Genesis. I love the Peter Gabriel-led five-piece prog rock band and the three-piece Phil Collins led pop. Pop. <clears throat> I fucking love Genesis. I love the Peter Gabriel-led five-piece prog rock band and the three-piece Phil Collins led pop rock pit. Pop pop. Fuck. <laughs> <clears throat> I fucking love Genesis. I love the Peter Gabriel-led five-piece prog rock band and the three-piece Phil Collins-led pop rock band, but I also love the four-piece pop rock pop pop rock rock band. Pop pop rock rock pop fucking shit, man. Ugh, I can't say this. I know what I want to say. It's in my head. I can't say it. Fuck. Ridiculous rock record reviews. Say that shit three times fast.